0: News Talk 1110 and 993
1: WBT. This is Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. Hey, go. Do you do anything anymore? <laughs> One day I'll
2: tell a story, and some will say it was just a fairy tale.
1: Everything you said is true. <laughs> people who know, know. But Wait, Wait, you show? said people that know, know. I don't know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're here in Charlotte with the mayor,
0: the Honorable Pat McCrory. I mean, he's been club champ three years running, and I'm... Time to play the
2: game! No
0: slouch
1: myself. How dare you? Your points are more than valid. Fourteen years as Charlotte mayor. Governor of the Tar Heel State, Pat McCrory. I mean,
2: now, North Carolina governor, Pat McCrory. Governor, thank you so much for being here. Speaking
0: with so, us now with North Carolina governor, Pat McCrory. Four years as NC
1: governor. This is quite an honor for me today. I'm overwhelmed, and I'm honored to be... On the main street of our beautiful capital city. Uh, the Boy Scouts in the audience, and they may be getting scared. We served together when I was governor of Indiana, and, and uh, he did a great job. Pat McCrory. I, honest, I don't, I don't know how good he
0: is on radio. You'll have to tell him, <laughs> him that I said that. Okay,
1: just please for a minute. I haven't felt this bad since the late '70s. It's the only time I felt worse is when
0: I had to carry you on my back every day. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. I really, I
1: really had a time I, That's the Marquee he, step up. I brought there. it home.
0: <laughs> it's Wednesday in the Tybloid studio. That means the governor is with us, Bo and Beth, alongside, and here we go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> usually I do. I was about to say that's never happened before. I know it. That's usually your cue. usually I'm going, you know, I gotta get something off my chest. Yeah. <laughs> that time you look down at your chest, what do I have something to
2: I have nothing to get off my <laughs> chest. Okay. So here's what we were talking about in the uh, the commercial break that I think is really fascinating because we were talking uh, at the end of our seven o'clock hour with Brett Winterbull about Nikki Haley's end game. And that she said that she was staying in the race. He said, okay, this is what I think. I think Nikki Haley is staying in the presidential race, but not as a Republican. Which led me to the question, does that mean that you think that she might be a no-labels candidate? Would she be a person that no-labels would pick to be at the top of their ticket? And here you are to answer (laughs) questions for
1: us. Well, as co-chairman of (laughs) no-labels, along with Ben Chavis and uh, Joe Joe Lieberman, I'm very careful about what I say about no labels because I'm an insider Mm. and I've served on boards of directors of companies and as an insider you can't convey information that you may know but I know this regarding Nikki Haley and running on another independent ticket including no labels would be very difficult because many laws many states have laws which prohibit someone from running In a primary for one job on one ticket like Republican or Democrat and then if they lose in the general changing their party affiliation and running again on a third-party ticket it's almost like non-compete laws Ah. you can't change in the middle it's called sore loser laws oh you can't be a sore loser and say I lost in the primary therefore in the general I'm going to get on another ticket and run for the same office. Well, so so let's uh, make it more of a broad question. So because there are so many sore loser laws, Nikki Dana as a third party candidate, as president, could not win the presidency because too many states would be ruled out in the electoral count. Did you hear her speech yesterday?
0: I heard parts of it. All right, let me give you just a just a riff of it here.
3: I feel no need to kiss the rain. I have no fear of Trump's retribution. Woo! Woo! I'm not I'm not looking for anything from him. My own political future Is of zero concern. So I hear what the political class says, but I hear from the American people, too.
0: She said she's staying in the race through through Saturday and beyond into Super Tuesday. So the big broader question for you is, Okay, what do you think she's building towards here? What's you know, the numbers suggest on Saturday that she is
1: going to get trounced by Trump. So what is she staying in for? Let's first talk about a couple of things she said. She said, I'm not kissing the ring. And I can relate to that because one thing Donald Trump demands is kissing his ring. Almost literally, you have to go down to mar a and tell him how great he is. In fact, when I first met with Donald Trump at the, his office, um, when he was just made president-elect, people said, whatever you do is tell him how great he is and tell him how great his campaign was. His closest advisors said, whatever you do, compliment him and tell him how great he is. He likes his ego to be built up. It's kind of like me when I come into this studio. You know, Mm -hmm. I demand Mm -hmm. that y'all tell me how great I am. You know, it's very similar. I
2: love your new glasses.
1: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. You said it exactly the way I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? But, but, But you see, if you don't kiss his ring... He will go after you. And, you know, I saw this in my U.S. Senate race when Mark uh, Walker and Ted Budd both were going down to mar a And I was told, if you want Trump's endorsement, you've got to go down to mar a and kiss the ring. Literally, that was the way it was put. I had several current politicians in Washington tell me, McCrory, if you want to get his endorsement I said, I'm not looking for his endorsement I'm running on my own merits I'm not going down to kiss anyone's ring To to win an election Well, that ended up Not working out too well for me But my integrity's intact Bud and them did Bud and Walker both did And then uh, Bud won that contest Because of Mark Meadows So that's the first thing She will not do that uh, She's done it before, by the way, because she was very critical of Trump. I went to the Aspen Institute with her, and we were on a panel together. And on the panel at the Aspen Institute, one summer when we were both governors, Trump had just made the comment about grabbing women. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I'm sorry, we ought to boycott his hotels. Six months later she was UN ambassador <laughs> so she's crawled back before and i think she's said i'm never doing it again and tell let me tell you why she went after her husband and he she also he trump also implied and his campaign team started releasing information about 2 weeks ago i know the game very well about 2 weeks ago trump's campaign started putting out stories, old stories on Nikki Haley before she was governor on whether or not she had affairs or not. And they were leaking that story all over the media trying to get headlines. That's why Trump recently, about a week and a half ago, he went, where's Nikki's husband? Well, he was serving for the military, but that's not why he was asking the question. He was trying to start up those rumors again. That's very typical of campaigns When there's two weeks to go for an election, you bring up the dirty stuff. You try to get rumors flowing. Bring up the negatives. You're seeing that in TV ads right now Mm -hmm. in all the races. All of a sudden, the negative ads are coming up. Trump said, for a reason, where is Nikki's husband? He was trying to stir up rumors in the state of South Carolina about Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley knows it. And she's saying the hell with that, I'm fighting this guy. And so I think part of this fight is now it's personal. And politics, as I know, and it's happened to me, it gets personal, especially if you go after your personal life or your family. And by the way, Donald Trump's someone whose personal life and family has been attacked too. And you notice, with him, it gets personal. Well, he does the exact same thing, and he's doing it to Nikki Haley.
0: She brought up her husband yesterday at the end of this speech, and we have a clip of that coming up, too, and some of these ads you're talking about. and Beth here with Governor McCrory on this Wednesday, February 21st. So we were talking about Nikki Haley, and uh, Nikki Haley said yesterday in a speech she gave at noon that she is staying in the race. Uh, she intends to stay... You know, past this weekend and and on beyond that, and so we started asking questions about what's her what's her end game or what's her ultimate goal here uh, as this thing you know carries on. And uh, one of the uh, one of the things you said right before we went to break is you talked about the, the, the you know politics and how it gets personal. And Nikki Haley has said over and over that uh, she doesn't take things personally, and yet here in the last couple of weeks, it's gotten personal. I mean, he he, he started talking about uh, her husband, who is deployed,
1: and you brought up the, uh, the, the comment that he made about where is he. In and, the- and, and again, the reason he said where is he, he was trying to bring up rumors, false rumors, or rumors that have not been proved and, frankly, are irrelevant at this point in time of her having engagements outside of her marriage long before she was governor. Those rumors were out there. And when she ran for governor, fellow Republicans in a Republican primary tried to spread those rumors and take her down. And now two weeks before the primary in South Carolina, Trump again was asking the question, where's your husband? And it was calculated. I'm, listen, it's a dirty game.
2: But isn't it Politics. strange that because his, I, I just feel like it was a strange tactic on his part given that Melania his wife has not been at his campaign events hypocrisy this time means around.
1: nothing hypocrisy means nothing he's trying to bring people like a lot of other pol- to his level and if if everything's equal then he wins that's how the game works and both democrats do the same thing i've had it done to me I'm proud to say I haven't done it to anyone. I've never done that, and I've had information on opponents of mine, and I won't even mention who, which was devastating to their family. And I went, "We're not going to do it. Aww. We're not going to. We're not going to play that game." Because you're talking about people's family, and, and so play the tape of yeah. Nikki, and you can tell. I, I've been with Nikki with her family, by the way. I Went to. A, Darius Rucker concert with her here in Charlotte, and I saw the love that she has for her family and her husband and her daughters. Really great, great family. Man, it's personal when someone attacks your family. Go after me on the issues, but don't go after me on my integrity and my family. Mm. And so, here's the clip yesterday when she talked about uh, this
0: this very story.
3: I wish Michael was here today. And I wish our children... And I could see him tonight, but we can't. He's serving on the other side of the world, where conflict is the norm, where terrorists hide among the innocent, where Iran's terrorist proxies are now attacking American troops. This is Michael's second deployment. It was hard for us to say goodbye to him the first time when he deployed to Afghanistan. It was even harder last summer when he deployed to Africa. As every military family knows, when a loved one deploys, we start the year-long prayer. It's a prayer for their safety more than anything else. But it's also a prayer of gratitude. The kids and I know why Michael went. He stepped up to keep us safe. And not just us. He stepped up to defend our nation's freedom and our way of life. Michael is fighting for the country he loves. So are all of his brothers and sisters in arms wherever they're stationed in this dangerous world. They have made their stand because America is worth fighting and even dying for. Now I will continue to make my stand because America is worth living for. Thank you. God bless you. God bless South Carolina and God bless America.
1: So what you heard there was from the heart. It is extremely tough on a family running for campaigns and people don't think about, it. you know, you go to meetings, ah, that son of a gun, you know, so and so and so and so. Well, the spouse is hearing this mm-hmm. about their spouse, how bad they are, how they're crooked, how they're liars. But when you go after someone's spouse, and the spouse is really the third player. You know, it's like my wife, you say, this is your hobby, not mine. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget when she said that to me one time some drunken state republican senator got caught on an audio tape criticizing my wife and she I remember my wife said, "Pat, this is your hobby. It's not mine any longer." Mm. By the way, that republican senator is still in office, one of the most powerful legislators in North Carolina. And I remember Ann telling me, "You didn't fight for me enough." Because I didn't want to escalate it. I didn't and I should have. She's standing up for her family, not just her husband or her family. And what you also saw in that voice, and I've been there, not at that level, but I've been there, is exhaustion. You know, she's doing five events, six events a day, and then interviews in between the events. You don't even know where you're at, you have no idea where you're at. And I've been there. And so she's exhausted. And what's ironic is she's running against someone who's not doing five or six events today, does one rally, boom, that's it. Goes on Fox, gets a 45-minute interview. She's having to go on anything and everything. And you saw this with DeSantis, too. DeSantis was having to go on any program that would take him. And exhaustion settles in. And it's just not with you, but your family especially your spouse, going, what the heck are we doing? She's not getting paid right now, by the way. She has no income coming in. <laughs> and so now she's at the point in time where she is, it's, she's taking this attack personal. So you ask me why she's staying in. I think part of it's personal. Part of it, she also wants to have a voice for the Republicans that are in the minority right now in the party. And third, she still thinks she has a win. We all think there's still a chance we can win, regardless of what the survey said. I always did up until the last day.
0: Well, you think she thinks that maybe something legal is going to trip up Trump eventually
1: and she'll be standing there if that happens? Oh, yeah. listen, every candidate running for office plays all the different scenarios that might happen that might allow you to get into office. I've done it when winning and when losing. You know, when I was running my most last, my last campaign, literally, it will be my last against Ted Budd and Mark Walker and eight other people that were totally ignored, who I felt sorry for. Um, I remember at the end my campaign staffer, my one campaign staffer said, Should we believe the surveys? Do we do we have any chance because we are at one time 30 points up until Club for Growth ran the ads, playing this radio station in a very maligned, inappropriate way and misleading way. I remember her asking me and I'm going, we're going to need a miracle, but we still have a chance. But we knew what the numbers were. And uh, she's at that stage. The heck with it. I'm going to fight. Now the big, she's going to last till Super Tuesday. I don't think she'll go after uh, um, beyond that. I'll be surprised. The money will probably stop. It all comes down to money. DeSantis, DeSantis ran out of money too. He would have kept going had he had money. Well, but you notice with certain politicians, and it's happened with me. There are still probably five people that I will never forgive, and this is bad because it's not following my faith. My faith always says forgive, get rid of the bitterness. There are probably five people that I will always go. You try to take me and my family down, and we will name all five of those people. When we- no, I'm- <laughs> my, my <laughs> <fruity> top five. <laughs> yes,
0: all but, right.
1: but I guarantee you, but- if you talk to any politician, and I'm probably on some other politician's list without knowing it, um, that it's personal. <laughs> News Talk
0: 1110-993-WBT. Less than a week now to the South Carolina primary. We have Governor McCrory in the house, as always, on Wednesdays, talking about the dynamics of this race. We've been talking about how personal it's become between Nikki Haley and President Trump. And, of course, uh, now the ads kick up as we get to, uh, closer to uh, you know, what D-Day. The,
1: what the strategy is, and you're seeing this in congressional races in North Carolina, because, you know, Charlotte gets hit with four different congressional, and all of a sudden the negative ads are coming out. Republican against Republican, but the Republican it's Republican in the South Carolina ads with a week to go is something that there's one ad that comes out that usually always came out in the past 25 years by Democrats against Republicans in the general election, and that was the ad, Republicans are going to take away your Social Security. George Bush is going to privatize your Social Security. And you'll be left dry with no money and you will starve to death and not be able to make your house payments and yada, yada, yada. Your Social Security and and Medicare and Medicaid are gone if you elect so-and-so to office. The Democrats have been doing that to Republicans for decades, always with a week to go. Well, now Republicans are doing it to Republicans because Social Security is going to be bankrupt in about seven years. In fact... Federal law says 25 percent – you'll have 25 percent cuts in your Social Security payments once Social Security is losing money, which it is now. And that happens in seven years. So a lot of Republican congressmen or fiscal conservatives are going, we need to maybe move the retirement age to 70, or you can't take money at 60 as opposed to wait till 65. Or they might be coming up with ideas if you're in a certain income – You don't get all your Social Security. They're trying to bring up ways to keep Social Security. Well, Ron DeSantis did this as a conservative member of the Freedom Caucus. In Iowa, Donald Trump went after Ron DeSantis with a week to go with, Ron DeSantis is going to take away your Social Security. Well, this week, Donald Trump is doing it to Nikki Haley. Social Security, Medicare, how would you manage the entitlements?
3: We say the rules have changed. We change retirement age to reflect life expectancy. What we do know is 65 is way too low, and we need to increase that, increase that.
0: Haley's plan cuts Social Security benefits for 82% of Americans. Trump will never let that happen. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message.
1: That is a Democratic ad in a Republican primary. By someone who's said by the media is the most conservative president will ever have. That is not a conservative ad. That is a liberal ad. Accusing Republicans of being fiscally responsible and actually trying to save Social Security. So Donald Trump and Joe Biden are both saying, I will not touch your Social Security. Even though they both know the numbers mean Social Security is going to go away if we do nothing.
2: And then all of us who have been paying into it our entire lives, making money and paying into the Social Security, that money's just gone?
1: No, because Donald Trump and Joe Biden say, I won't touch your Social Security. Well, if they're not going to touch your Social Security, where are they going to find the money to pay for it? They're not saying. They're just telling the average voter who's over 60 years old, On Social Security, we will not touch your Social Security. By the way, that Donald Trump commercial has old people in it. On oxygen. (laughs) In wheelchairs. I'm Donald Trump. I won't touch your Social Security, but Nikki Haley will. This is what Tip O'Neill used to do to Ronald Reagan. This is what Nancy Pelosi used to do to George Bush. And now this is what... Donald Trump is doing to Nikki Haley and before that in Iowa he ran an almost identical ad against Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is probably the most conservative person who's ever run for president and his record is truly conservative in both Congress and as governor and yet we now as Republicans in a primary are pulling out the Social Security card. And it works, even in a Republican primary. That's the Game of Politics. I'm Pat McCrory.
0: Hey, don't forget, you can join Breaking Brett Jensen at the first WBT Cigar Club meetup of 2024. Oh, my gosh. Thursday, February 29th, 6 to 9 at the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Gastonia. Wow. Wow. You can watch Brett host his show, Breaking with Brett Jensen. You can browse premium cigar brands, including Cohiba, and enjoy giveaways and specials courtesy of the vintage WBT Cigar Club, Thursday, February 29th. Seating is limited, so lock in your reservation today. You can email cigar at WBT.com for reservations. You going to show up?
1: You know, my problem with smoking cigars, I like it, but I'm the type. Who has to, who gets a lot of sl- 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 saliva.
2: <laughs> so does, are you trying to say that your your cigar gets soggy?
1: Well, I have to <laughs> spit. A little bit of slobber going on? This is not, yeah. I yeah. love cigars, but then when I was governor, a couple people would bring over cigars to the mansion. I got Henry Hinton, the old radio mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. in Green, Greenville. He'd come over and we'd smoke cigars next to the fire pit. And uh, my chief of staff would, He's so mad at me because I was always sick the next day. <laughs> but I love the smell of cigars. Well, you have to. Tell. My old driver Chris, who I love, he's from Charlotte. Here, he's a big cigar smoker. Whenever he drove me all around.
2: So you just smell his cigars.
1: I love Chris. Great man.
2: I haven't been around cigars a lot. I mean, I. I, I, I think maybe I could conjure the smell of a cigar, yeah. but I, I haven't the been around. Winnie Act
0: doesn't smoke cigars.
2: I mean, when he plays golf, but I don't golf with him a lot. Yeah. Um,
0: you ever smelled a butt before, Beth? Uh, a butt. Uh, it smells like a butt. Careful there, Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> like a <laughs> like cigar. Like a
2: cigar butt. Yes. Oh. So,
0: yes.
1: speaking of cigars, this is <laughs> sorry, Bo. <Beau. laughs> I do the, have the dump button right here. This is the time uh, in a campaign season, and you're seeing it in all the congressional races. Where the campaign consultants are smoking cigars and going, if you're going to win, we got to go negative. Oh! And right now, almost all the races in this area are in Republican districts. Oh, gerrymandered yeah. Repo- you're, you're seeing no Democratic commercials because they're gerrymandered and the Democrats have no opposition in their primary. But we've got all these open seats, Dan Bishop's seats open, and you got all these people running. Have you noticed all of a sudden the negative ads? Well, we had a debate. A six-way debate between those candidates that are trying yeah, to win Yeah, and they start race. attacking each other, but now the ads are, you know, one person's corrupt, how dare you vote for him, another person's for amnesty, mm-hmm. so-and-so's for amnesty, you can't vote for him, I'm for a wall, he's for amnesty, vote for me. Well, and Mark, Mark Harris is running in that race, so obviously there's some... Well, Mark some, Harris uh, is right now leading... But what I mean is, you're seeing negative ads uh, towards him. Toward, so, whoever's in the lead gets the most ads directed toward them. Right. That's what the campaign consultants are smoking cigars and going, uh, if you want to win this race, we got to put down your opponent. And you're seeing this with uh, Harrigan now. Is it Harrigan?
2: Pat Harrigan, yeah. Pat
1: Harrigan is all of sudden these ads. Pat Harrigan's for amnesty. They have on recorder saying, sooner or later, we got to give. You know, from an interview a while back, and so the opponent's gone negative, and you're seeing this in the Greensboro district, which has a slice of. Um, it has Cabarrus County Cabarrus, County? Cabarrus County. There are three people in that race. Mark Walker is, I think, in the lead, but the two young kids under thirty are now going after him, calling him a liberal. And Mark Harris is probably, I mean, Mark Walker is one of the most conservative people I've ever been around in my life, but because Trump is not endorsing him, he's now a rhino. And there's no one more conservative than Mark Walker. It's just an amazing thing where the guys in cigars going, okay, this is what we're going to say. I had this done in my governor's race against Purdue. I was behind by three points, and my campaign manager, a wonderful guy named Jack Hawk, he has since passed away, met me at a bar hamburger place in Raleigh and said, I've got an ad for you. We've got to get it out if you're going to win this race. I said, what are you talking about? He says, we've already done the ad. I just need your permission to play it. And it had to do with the killing, the murder of the college student, at Chapel Hill mm-hmm. she was president of student body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and some black African American African American teens killed her so there was a racial element involved and a crime element and they wanted me to do a commercial basically saying Beverly Perdue if she would have been tough on crime this crime against these this beautiful young president of the student body wouldn't have happened and I went I can't do it he went, well, you're going to lose the election if you can't do it. And This is where people have said McCrory's not tough enough. But at that time, the family, I mean, this murder had just occurred, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to about to put her picture of their daughter on TV in a TV ad accusing someone of having blood on their hands, a, a politician for having blood on their hands for the murder of this senior University of North Carolina Chapel, well, a wonderful, wonderful person. Because the only people responsible for that murder at the end is the kid who did it. Now, should have those kids been on the street? No. But I don't know. I think that's... Ja- I told Jack, it's not going to happen.
2: But that says a lot, I think, about you. I, I think well, so many... some
1: people say it people and i've had fellow republicans say he's not going to fight for it and there's probably a certain point where i not i will not go below the belt to win an election
2: and consultants can be very persuasive in their arguments toward people i think a lot of candidates get lost in the process i know that i i, I i've said this in in interviews when i ran that i i had so many people in my ear that i Felt like, I forgot how to be myself in the, the course of the campaign.
1: Oh, they'll, yeah, they'll try to make you sometimes the consultants become your boss instead of you being the boss over the oh, consultant. Oh,
2: 100 And I was young, so I, yeah. I thought they knew better. And then the
1: consultants will tell you two things one is you got to go negative, you got to just attack, 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 or you've got to spend your own money on some ads right now mm-hmm. and put your family in debt. Mm-hmm. To all the candidates, don't go in personal debt with two weeks to go. The odds are against it, and you're going to put your family in trouble in the long run.
0: That'll wrap it. The governor, Bo, and Beth. Glad to have Beth back today. Thanks to Bernie and Tommy. Everybody have a great day. Thank you, Bo. I love you, Bo. Deep down. Deep down. Deep it's pretty Yeah, it's real. It's like like that rabbit. You hole and Bill thing. Graham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, that's really deep. Okay.